Would you please turn with me to Leviticus chapter 9? Leviticus chapter 9. Continue our series in the life of Moses. We've been looking at the sacrifices and the priesthood, the sacrifices and the offerings as types, pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ as our great high priest, our our offering, our substitutionary atonement and fact that Mount Calvary was the altar as it were may I say even he was the altar the wrath of fire took place upon Christ and this morning we look at the tale of two fires I want you to keep in mind that the fire upon the altar, the fire that burns up the sacrifice fires that the fire that burned up the men that you'll see in this passage is a picture of God's wrath. And the gospel is very clearly displayed here. Heaven is displayed by the fact that the sacrifice is consumed. If Christ was consumed for us, then we are forgiven of our sins and delivered from God's wrath and have heaven as our hope. You notice that the other side is is pictured, the side of God's hell, where the actual sinner suffers the fire. And God displays in this tale of two fires, heaven and hell, God's wrath that falls on Christ to give us eternal life, or God's wrath falling on the Christless one, the one who rejects the Lord Jesus. Very solemn passage here, and I'm going to begin reading chapter 9, verse 22. Let's listen to this sacred reading of God's Word. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and peace offerings. This passage is the ordination of the priests to their office. They're being consecrated to the office of their priesthood. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw they shouted and fell on their faces. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, 
and said unto them, Come near and carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. Moses said unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. The Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that ye put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, Take the meat offering that remaineth of the offerings of the Lord made by fire, and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. And ye shall eat it in the holy place, because it is thy due, and thy sons due, of the sacrifices of the Lord made by fire, for so I am commanded. The wave breast and heave shoulder shall ye eat in a clean place, thou and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, for they be thy due, and thy sons due, which are given out of the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord and it shall be thine and thy sons with thee by a statute forever as the Lord hath commanded. Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering and behold it was burnt and he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar the sons of Aaron which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have ye not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy? God hath given it to you to to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. Ye should indeed have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. And Aaron said unto Moses, Behold, this day have I offered this day have they offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. And if I had eaten the sin offering today, should I should it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? And when Moses heard that, he was content. And God bless this reading to our hearts. I've entitled the message The Tale of Two Fires. You might call the one the fire of blessing and the other the fire of wrath. Fire of grace. The fire of God's wrath. We've come to 
the summer season where many fires are seen in the backyards and parks of people. Campfires, which are constructive. And we also observe forest fires or you might call grassland fires, as you know, have, have produced smoke that has affected even Europe now. And I understand that all, or imminently or, or at the beginning these fires are destructive, but yes, in due time they're constructive. Fire, forest fires and so on. But in the meantime, they're destructive. Life is taken and people are affected greatly. Well, did you notice two kinds of fire in chapters 9 and 10? The first fire consumed the sacrifice and not the priests or the people. The sacrifice on the altar was consumed, devoured, if you will. The priests had just been consecrated to begin their ministry. They were ordained, if you will. And, and the Lord didn't wait for them to bring the fire, as it were, to, to start the fire on the altar of burnt sacrifice. The fire came out from the Holy of Holies and consumed the sacrifice. Now, it doesn't say exactly where the fire came from, but it said it came out from the Lord. Our assumption is it didn't come from heaven like the fire in Elijah's day that we read together. The fire actually came out. And the interesting thing is nothing was burned inside the tabernacle or outside. It just had a specific point in mind. And God just caused that fire to come out and consume. Perhaps it looked somewhat like lightning. Uh, to the people's eyes. But notice that after Moses and Aaron gave the Aaronic blessing, if you will, from Numbers chapter 6, they came out and blessed the congregation. Remember the Aaronic blessing? The Lord bless thee and keep thee and cause His face to shine upon thee and give thee peace and so on. As they gave the benediction, there came fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. And the Bible says once the people saw this conflagration, this, this uh, sight, they shouted and fell on their faces. True worship was the result. They praised God. They were amazed at the power of God and, and the glory of God in their midst. But I want us to realize that this is a picture of Calvary. Jesus Christ was hanging on that tree. If the fire did not come out and consume Christ, it would have consumed all those soldiers and all the people there. We deserve God's justice. Jesus could have called. I read that this morning, Matthew 26. He could have called legions thousands and thousands of angels to come to His aid, take Him down from the cross and destroy His enemies. But if that had happened, there would be no heaven for us. No forgiveness. And so this picture at the end of chapter 9 is a picture of Calvary. The Gospel 
that Jesus was suffering the fire of God's wrath when He said, Why hast thou forsaken me? That was the point when all of our sins, the sins of His people were debited, imputed to His account, and then God poured out His wrath upon Jesus at that point. Jesus knew the fire of God's wrath. Who knoweth the power of His anger, the psalmist said. Jesus can say, I did. That was the difference between this fire at the end of chapter 9 and the fire in chapter 10. Both fires consumed. By the way, one is translated in the authorized version consumed and the other devoured. the same Hebrew word. Both fires consumed. One was of grace and one was of and mercy. And the other was of wrath and judgment. I want us to see what precedes, what accompanies, and what follows each of these fires and then see how they relate to the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at first the fire of God's grace. The priests are ordained and consecrated and ready to conduct their service. Like you know of, for instance, a missionary or a minister who are are, uh, consecrated for their service and they begin like our brother Logan down in Florida or our brother Tony DiDernal's son, Frankie in Pentic or Fredericton and our brother Andrew Fitton in Vancouver. They're They've been ordained and they're consecrated to the work and they've begun to serve the Lord. Well, these priests were in the tabernacle for over a week. And so, they've actually begun, but it's technically their consecration. And they're ready to offer this sacrifice, to intercede for the people and to plead the blood of atonement. All this is a type of Christ who's a who is the prophet, priest, and king. These priests are a type of Jesus. A priest intercedes for the people, pleads the blood of the sacrifice, teaches the Word of God. Jesus the prophet, the priest, and the king. The priest to offer. He's the offering who offers Himself. He's the altar who He suffers. The place of suffering, the place of atonement was the bosom of Jesus. What a picture prophecy of Jesus were all these offices of anointing. But what, what precedes the fire that consumed the sacrifice? Obedience to God's instructions for worship. Over and over again, the Lord commanded Moses how to instruct the people in approaching the Lord. He gave the directions how He must be approached. He did not allow them to invent. He did not ask Moses to uh, innovate. What do you think, Moses? How do you think that I should be approached? He gave the instructions to Moses to convey to the priests and the prophets and the kings and, as it were, to all the people. This is how God is to be worshipped. In spirit and in truth. Not our own innovations. In other words, you may pray, 
in the name of Jesus. That's one way of worshiping the Lord. You may preach my word, meditate on my word. So we, we see that obedience precedes this first fire. And again, God reserves the right to prescribe how we may, we must worship Him. In other words, the details as well as the general ways. The details are specifically drawn out. And sometimes we, we can get bogged down in the details in Exodus and Leviticus and in Numbers. But the details are meant to show us, look, God is a God of organization and God who is sovereign and right to the very details of, of, a, of a fourth or a third or a half of something, whether it be liquid or dry measures. All of these, down to the very pins in the tabernacle, the smallest, minutest things were given by the Lord. So the Lord doesn't just say to us, innovate, add, be imaginative. Yet that is our way, isn't it? As Especially as Americans. We want it our way. We think we should include this in the worship and that in the worship. And what we find is churches bringing in anything or everything. It sounds good. It's a bright idea, isn't it? bright idea to man may be a very dark idea to God if it is not God's way. Through Christ alone they were to worship. All picturing Christ. His death, verses 1-21, to and His resurrection, verses 21-23 to or 22-23. For we see that Moses... Aaron, picturing Christ, had gone into the tabernacle and then they came out. It's a picture of, remember, when the high priest once a year went in to make atonement, he went in with his linen clothes, but he came out in his glorious apparel. It's a great picture of death and resurrection. And so you have even in the picture before the fire, the death and resurrection of Christ by the, the actions of the priests and Moses. The fire speaks of the fact that Jesus, by His atonement, was able to pay for our sins. and He was delivered over for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So you have obedience that precedes the fire. What accompanies it? Well, it's the fire itself. There came fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the, and the fat. In other words, Calvary is shown here. And they crucified Him. Isn't it interesting how simple, straightforward the, the four Gospel writers, they don't describe the pain yet or how they, you know, the pounding of the nails. It just simply says, and they crucified Him. That's as if they said, and the fire of God fell and consumed Jesus Christ. So you have what precedes, what accompanies. And then you have what follows. When all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their face. So what follows is awe, reverence, fear, amazement, praise. And so, in our worship, every time we come together, 
There should be obedience to God. There should be us following God's ways, details of worship. And we pray that His glory will be seen. We're not asking for the Lord to send fire from heaven. He's already suffered for our sins. But the glory of Christ might be seen by His sacrifice, by the wrath of God that He suffered, by His glorious resurrection from the dead. These should be brought forward, displayed. They should be the spectacles. God's wrath upon Christ. Christ's sacrifice to save us. These are what we're to present. These are what to be seen. And then our reaction should always be amazement, love, praise, adoration, not self-centeredness. The attraction should be upon the Lord. They all fell on their face and praised God. Oh, that every one of our services would be like obedience to God, God's presence being sensed, and the reaction that we that we we have is reverence and fear. There's none like unto you, O Lord. Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thank you that your wrath bypassed me, bypassed us, and fell upon Christ. We would all perish. Don't ask God for justice unless you're saying, Lord, I know you're a just God. In order for me to be saved, there has to be justice. But justice in that Christ suffered then we can sing of justice and mercy in Christ. But don't ask God to be fair. To be fair means for us to perish in our sins. That's what fairness is. No, we need mercy. We need God's mercy. That was the first fire. The second fire is the whole chapter 10. and I don't have time to every verse but like the first one you have what precedes what accompanies and what follows secondly the fire of God's wrath is a picture of hell Nadab and Abihu were grown men they were born in Egypt before they left that land of slavery they knew all these directions details they were instructed very carefully in how they were to to set the example as a priest. How are they to conduct their priesthood? That their, the details were, were very clear to them. What, 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 what the uh, incense, the, the uh, ingredients of the incense should be. Never to innovate. And perhaps at first we were perplexed, but the Lord makes it clear Nadab and Abihu, and the word and can be translated but. It's opposite to what happens at the end of chapter 9. But Nadab and Abihu, the oldest of Aaron's sons, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered, notice, here's the key, strange fire. We don't know exactly what's going on, but perhaps it's they, 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 they didn't feel perhaps that the, that the aroma of the, of the incense that God had prescribed was sweet enough. Just giving one example. They thought, well, let's add this ingredient or let's have these ingredients instead and, 
and the incense will smell better than what we what God has prescribed. And it says they put strange fire, so apparently they didn't get fire from the altar of burnt offering. They got fire from somewhere else. But the point is that whether it was the wrong time, certainly the wrong incense, the wrong way of worshiping God, it says they offered strange fire before the Lord. Notice, right in God's presence. They had just seen the amazing glory of God. Picture yourself standing and you see fire come out and consume the altar, the, the burnt offering and the fat and the, just the, the flame that must have risen way high in the air. And all the people fell on their faces and we're assuming perhaps that even the priests fell or at least their, their hearts fell. They were struck by the glory of God. And all of a sudden, within minutes perhaps, within a very short time, it says this is what they did. And they did it knowing it was right in the eyes of the Lord. The word before is in the face of God. And we all have to remember that. When you and I sin, whether it's in the open or in a closet, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And notice, as they're standing there, the fire of God went out from the Lord, from the same place, and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu felt the wrath of God. Do you see how this is a picture of hell? Hell is a place where sinners suffer. Hell is a place where people are consumed in the fire of God's wrath forever and ever. And ever and ever. It is endless. We receive God's justice, strict justice, no mercy. People argue whether we're an Adab and Abihu saved and God... Judges, even believers. My personal opinion is Nadab and Abihu weren't saved. Whether Uzzah, who touched the ark and was consumed by God, see, the Lord is seeking to show His glory. Whether it be a believer or unbeliever, God at times will, will bring judgment. So people will say, well, why do we have passages in the Bible like this? Nadab and Abihu and and Uzzah who were stricken, and Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament who fell down dead before Peter. Why would God have those kinds of passages in the Bible? And one man answered, God wants people to realize He's serious. He's a holy God. There is a hell to shun. And we wonder at times, why? Why do we have... An earthquake. Why do we have a hurricane? Why do we have out of nowhere a wind that topples buildings and kills people? Why is it that these things happen seemingly randomly? People are awakened that there's a God in heaven who rules over men. A God with whom we have to do. Wakes us from our lethargy 
isn't that what 9-11 did in a sense? It wakens us from our lethargy, our apathy, our presumption. People began to say, I guess there is a God and I should go into the churches. But how often we find, just like the one in Philadelphia, their churches were full for two weeks and then they began to empty again. And so the Lord said He wouldn't destroy the earth by water anymore. But from time to time, He awakens people from their lethargy like changing the language of the people at the Tower of Babel. Like fire, portion of hell as it were, fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't destroy the whole earth with fire, but He brought fire down. Opening of the earth to swallow Dathan and Abiram. From time to time, the Lord will bring judgments in the earth to waken people. Look, God is real. There's a heaven and a hell. And these people might have been sincere. Think that they were obviously self-centered, selfish. And they dared God as it were. They knew what the details were. In other words, this was a novelty, an invention. Colossians calls it will worship. I think that the incense should be this or that. I think I should add this ingredient. I think we should worship this way. And I know there are obvious examples that you and I have seen. Let's ride a horse down the, down the, 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 the aisle of the church and get people's attention and, 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 and make people interested. Let's give them some entertainment so that we can make church attractive. Novelties and inventions of men are abominations to God, no matter how appropriate they may seem. And it says, and they and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured or consumed. Again, the words are exactly the same. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. They died right there. And apparently there was no singeing. It says, carry them out by their coats. Just like the reverse of the three men in the, in the burning furnace. No singe, no smell of fire apparently. Carry them out in their coats. If they had burned, and there was, they wouldn't have been able to hold them. It says, carry them out. But do you notice, carry them out? The Lord wanted them out of the camp. Hell is an outer darkness out from the presence of God. You know, so often people read this how hard-hearted God was. He didn't even stop at that point and say, now comfort the people. It seems people, it's easy to read this and say how hard-hearted God was. Can you imagine being Aaron seeing your sons consumed like this? And he wouldn't even let Aaron and Ithamar Eliezer to mourn publicly. And people will impugn God with this. But instead of, of lightening the situation, God even put more weight on it. Bring your cousins over and carry these men bodies, corpses, outside. Everybody had to watch this. 
That's like the goat that was taken, you remember, by the fit man. They carried that second goat outside the camp, probably on a leash. Everybody saw that this goat was going out to die, to perish. The picture of you and me if, if Christ didn't die for us. Left to perish. The fit man came back with no goat. The goat's gone. Most likely killed by whether lightning from the Lord or some predator. God has many executioners. But again, you see what precedes, what accompanies, and what follows. The fire of God's wrath. Instead of obedience, disobedience precedes it. Nadab and Abihu approached God their own way. It was strange to God. It was foreign. It was different versus the familiarity and the prescribed method. They marred the picture of, of God's glory. We should focus on God's glory and not on man. They were drawing attention to themselves. Look, we've got a different incense. Different fire. They were wanting to, as it were, draw the attention away from God to themselves. However sincere we might be, we've got to be careful that attention is not drawn to ourselves. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. But unto Thy name give glory. For Thy mercy and Thy truth's sake. Remember what John the Baptist said. He must increase. I must decrease. It's easy to say. And you know, we mock even preachers today in churches that where preachers wear robes. But you know why they did that in the, in, the, in the beginning? To hide man. To hide the suits and ties. So they were not drawn to the person and to the clothing, to the colors, but were drawn to the Lord, away from man. Disobedience preceded fire of God's wrath. The Bible says when Christ returns, there will be wrath from heaven upon those that disobey God and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friend, you're disobedient to God and not following His way and worshiping Him through Christ. You're on the same road as Nadab and Abihu. This was not cruel and provocative. and This was consequential to their disobedience. God is holy. He has to punish every single sin. can't let one sin go unpunished, unredeemed. It's either Christ suffers every, for every sin that every single one of His elect commit. From the white lie to the murder, Jesus died for every one of His people's sins. Yes, He can save murderers. Saul of Tarsus was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. God is that holy. Hell underscores the holiness of God. You see, 
The Word of God, as someone said, is like the sun. It either hardens the clay or it softens the wax. So as we read or listen to this passage, as our hearts hardened, blaming God for hard for 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 severity, for unkindness, are we saying, I deserve that? God is that holy. There is none holy as the Lord. Neither is there any God like our God, our rock. Disobedience preceded it. What accompanied it? And fire came out. This was God's evaluation of the situation. Adam and Adab and Abihu were hellish. Fire is a picture of God's zeal and God's action, God's displeasure in this case. Now it's the sacrificer and not the sacrifice that's burned. To think that there are clergy that will perish. There are people that have preached the Gospel of Jesus Christ and not believed it themselves. Judas Iscariot had to be a pretty good preacher to conceal the devil that he was. There there are preachers that are good orders. Preach great sermons. But they're lost. I said that to our brethren when I preached in Toronto. and You know, it, puts, it chills your own spine. I said, you know, brothers and sisters in that case, but I believe I'm preaching to the choir, but I hate to think there's one of us in this room that's lost and have dedicated our lives to preaching the Gospel. And we don't know Christ ourselves. But it's possible. I'm sure Nadab and Abihu were likable men. They were Aaron's sons. They had families. They were looking forward to ministering, as it were. But they got carried away with pride. Pride can hit any, every one of us, doesn't it? He that exalteth himself shall be abased. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. Every day we put down pride. Every day we should confess our pride. Lord, I look in the mirror. I'm such an arrogant, obnoxious man. Forgive me, Lord. Every day I deserve to be knocked down. The Lord will tie it from time to time. Knock us down. Knock us down from our high horses. What mercy, isn't it? May I ask, are you saved? Are you in Christ? You know for sure your sins are forgiven. Like in Toronto, I think I'm preaching to the choir, but could there be one of us that's hollow, not saved, no Spirit of God within us? 
hollow as hollow wood, as it were. I hope not. But if so, today, now is the day to thank God for the fire that fell on Christ. Trust Christ and plead, Lord, let not the fire fall on me. What follows here, not people fell on their faces, though there may have been some, it doesn't say that, but I don't know if we're reading between the lines here, if it's a correct reading. There are some that have said that Aaron started to protest. And when Moses said, wait a minute, Aaron, you knew that God would be honored. He's going to honor His name. And the first impression, I'm sure, from all of us would be, why Moses? Why? You can ask the question, why? Moses said, God will be honored in them that come nigh him. And he will be sanctified. He's holy. He made the world. He's the God of the universe. How the world will say, your God is so self-centered. He always wants to be praised and worshipped. What is our answer? If you were the God of the universe, what would you want? He deserves worship. We're His creatures. You fly in the face of the Creator and say, we think you should be a creature? And humble yourself? How arrogant as a creature I am. And so, it says Aaron held his peace. Aaron... Is for God's glory. God isn't some hard-hearted God. He's not saying Aaron and, and his remaining sons were sorrowing in their hearts. What's the point here, brother and sister? There's application. He doesn't want the attention to go away from his glory as if as if it's more important that I'm comforted in my sorrow rather than God is glorified in His presence and His Word. God is a God who comforts us in our sorrow. It's appropriate for us to sorrow. But not sorrow unto death, as it were. Not sorrow unto the point where so often when things happen to us that are surprises and are hurtful, we fret, we pout, we turn our back on the Lord. And that's the very time we should be like Job. Was Job just performing? Was he just acting? When the Bible says when he found out about all ten children, all ten, not one, ten, all of them, he wasn't acting. He fell on his face and he worshipped God. I don't know if I could have done that. My first reaction probably would have been fretting and complaining, being bitter. What has been our reaction when we have had disappointments? What's been our reaction in the past when we haven't gotten our ways? How often I have fretted, been bitter. Well, the Lord had a funeral. The pallbearers were the two cousins. He brought the 
bodies out, but the focus remained on the Lord. The Lord was saying to Aaron and his sons, maintain worship. Maintain worship. Maintain worship. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Trust in His sovereignty and His decree. We should never be flippant and careless and neglectful of our duties in very dark providences. Help, Lord. Because if we all live long enough, we're going to have more. We're going to have more dark providences. Please ready my heart, Lord. We should not act like the world. The world crumbles under these dark providences. I first arrived in Buffalo. There was a man attending our church that called me one night and said, There's been a tragedy in the family. We're at Mercy Hospital. Would you please come up and be with us? And I rushed up there and a relative, you're not sure whether he was trying to commit suicide or if he was shot by someone. They're all around his bed just saying, Tommy, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And all of a sudden the, the line went flat. And the doctor and nurses whisked us out we all went into the waiting room and, and then just a few moments later the doctor came in and just said, I'm sorry. And everybody crumbled. I stood in the I stood in the in the corner and just wondered what can I do? I just silently prayed. What could they do if they had no God? We can cry out to God for comfort. He's the God of all mercy. He's the Savior who stood at Lazarus' tomb and wept. He wept tears. They weren't crocodile tears. They were real tears. And so this is a tale of two fires. The fire of mercy and the fire of wrath. The fire of propitiation and reprobation. Christ to save or the sinner without Christ to be lost. This is the passage that says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. God is a holy God and we must strictly keep to His details of how He wants to be approached. Man can be so ignorant, I'll approach God the way I want. Well, it's a trite example, but that's like someone who knows you and knows you don't like lemon pie. That may be trite. And what do you offer that person on their birthday? Lemon pie. So man who innovates and, and, and invents his own worship is bringing his own will worship to God instead of God's worship. That's what they were doing in Colossae. These were believers, and Paul said, you're worshiping angels, and you're worshiping your own wills. How could you do this when God in Christ has paid for your sins, has shown mercy? You must worship God 
according to His will. And isn't this a society, by the way, that worships angels? Everywhere, every, it seems like angels are everywhere. And they're all like little baby, fat babies. When anybody that's seen an angel before has fallen on their face and been reverent. I'm not saying get rid of your angels. I'm just saying don't worship angels. Don't worship men. Those soldiers that were guarding the tomb when they saw an angel, what did they do? Oh, here's a little angel. Let's worship him. They trembled as dead men. This passage is saying it's God's way or the highway to us. It's God's way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Man's way is to hell. Twice in Proverbs is a way which seemeth right unto a man, and Nadab and Abihu seem right. But the end thereof, they found out quickly, is the way of death. This isn't cruel. This is consequential. It's, it's not provoking. It prevented others from dying if they'd have followed the innovative ways of even the priests. And especially those who lead services and who preach. Of most people, we are responsible. How? What example we set? Are we seeking to promote a worshipful, reverent, joyful service? Or a man-centered, entertainment-oriented service? This wasn't rejecting God's people. It was receiving them who would worship Him obediently. We would certainly commend Aaron for holding his peace. What commendation is it to those that say, the Lord, do all things well. Do all things well. Help me. Help me to accept Your providences, whether they're light or dark. Please. Isaiah says to the person who's enduring darkness, Who is there among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? That's describing a believer. You know how it goes on to, what it goes on to say? Who walketh in darkness and hath no light. What is he to do? Turn his back on God? Go back into the world? That's our temptation. We often do it, even if it's a brief time. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Just saying, as someone said, if, if, they'd have, if they would have capitulated and mourned excessively and openly, mourning obscures the meaning of God's action. God's authority is established, is emphasized, is upheld by maintaining a worshipful spirit. Family doesn't take precedence. We don't offend God to accommodate even family. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But we'll all face similar circumstances. 
Lord says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. May I say Aaron was loving his remaining sons, his wife, his family, the church, by maintaining a spirit of worship, holding his peace. There was time to mourn. The Lord was not saying, don't mourn. I'm sure when the priestly duties were, as it were, when he went into private, where he was always a public person, that he and his wife wept together. Remember, his wife lost sons too. I pray that this is a passage that humbles and heals our hearts in times of great difficulty. We can then be able to minister to those who face excruciating circumstances. Point them to the Lord kindly, gently, and pray that they too will know the mercy of the Lord in Christ. That He does all things well for His own glory. And it will be to their good if they are trusting in Him. Please, Father, please bless this solemn passage to our hearts. You are not cruel and unmerciful, but you are just and holy and merciful. Lord, You didn't have to show mercy to any sinners. Oh, thank You as it says of Jesus that He was moved with compassion when He saw the multitudes as sheep not having a shepherd. Thank You for seeing us fallen sinners with compassion. And yet You showed no compassion to Your Son when three times He asked if it be possible to let that cup pass. And You said, No. If You want to save sinners, No. You must be punished. In wrath, the fire of God fell and consumed and devoured our Savior. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Father. Oh, that many would flee from the wrath to come. That if people die without Thee, they will know the fire that devours and consumes. Oh, please, Lord, save sinners from outer darkness, from being removed from the camp of the Gospel, the camp of God forever and ever. No more opportunity. Even like Cain, who went out from the presence of the Lord. dwelt in darkness. Bless Your Word, Lord, please. May it be a deep effect and a lasting effect upon our souls. In Jesus' name.